Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory@newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. Welcome, everybody. And listen, I want you, this is a very exciting weekend. This is a weekend we've been waiting for for almost a year now. And so I want you, all of you that are here tonight, to help me welcome our church family and our new friends at Bayville and our Bayville campus. Come on, let's welcome them. Let's give it up for them. Amen. Yeah. We're excited for, for our Bayville campus to come on board now in this network of churches that God is developing that will not only now reach Bricktown, but reaching Bayville, and we will be reaching all of central New Jersey in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 So, New Beginnings, Brick sends our love to Bayville. Uh, we pray that God touches your heart today through this message. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, I want to lay some foundation before we get into this series, two-part series this week and next week. Years ago, when Barbara and I were in Bible school out in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the, Bible, the founder of that Bible school, whose name was Kenneth Hagin Sr., made a statement on a number of occasions, and it just stuck with me, about what the Lord has spoken to him regarding the last days. We're talking about the last days before Jesus returns. And this is what he said. He said that the Lord had showed him that in the last days before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ to the earth, there would be an emphasis, I, I want to put it this way, a re-emphasis on the local church once again. No longer would it be the massive, gigantic international ministries that would get the attention, but the local small churches. This makes sense because the big international ministers are wonderful at teaching and inspiring Christians. Okay? I'm sure many of us watch some of them on TV. But they're not going to come to your hospital bed when you're sick. They can't. Okay? They're not going to arrange for meals as you recover. They're not going to come and bury your loved ones. They can't. But the local church is going to reach the community for the Lord Jesus Christ. The local church is going to be there for you in an emergency. The local church is what builds community. Amen? Amen. And that's what we're talking about. Our goal for this series is to establish a clear foundational understanding of who we are and what our purpose is as a church. I'm not talking about just new beginnings. I'm talking about the church in general. We can say it this way, the church universal, okay? I don't know about you, but I can't think of another organization that has been so criticized, so misunderstood, yet so desperately needed as the church. When we understand the benefits of the church in everyday life, we begin to have an appreciation for the gift that Jesus left on the earth when he ascended into heaven. I want you to get this statement burned into your heart. I want it to be the first thing you think of when you hear church, okay? The church was Jesus's idea. I want you to get a hold of that. Turn, turn to somebody, please. Turn to somebody close to you, behind you, in front of you, whatever, and say the church was Jesus's idea. This was not a man-made thing. This was I, the idea came from Jesus. He established this. Listen to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16, starting in verse 13. 
Some of you, I'm sure, are very familiar with this portion of scripture. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Jesus had the idea of church. It's not something that we put together. It's not something that man put together. And and that's the theme I want you to, to follow with me, okay? It was never man's idea. Not even the disciples saw it coming. Now, let's back up here a little bit. So I want, we're, again, we're talking about foundation here, right? And in talking about foundation, we have, to, we have to clarify what is the foundation that Jesus is talking about. Because, you know, many of us, you and I, many of you have come out of the same church that I came out of, grew up in a different kind of church than what is here. That church believed that Jesus was talking about that the church would be built on Peter. But when you study the scripture, that is not what it says. What it says is this. When Jesus said to him, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ, the Messiah. Okay? That is the foundation that Jesus is talking about. When he said, and upon that rock, I will build my church. I go into this a lot deeper, but for the sake of time, I want you to get this clear in your head. Jesus was not establishing Peter as the head of the church. Jesus was establishing the foundation of the church would be built on all those who declared by faith that Jesus Christ is Messiah, the Son of the living God, the one who went to the cross for us, the one who died on that cross, the one who was risen from the dead, that is the foundation. That is the qualifier for someone to say they are part of the church. Amen? Again, I want to remind you, why is this important for us to say that the church is Jesus' idea? Because there's been too much tradition, too much misunderstanding, too much misquoting of Scripture. And what has happened is there's this mindset, especially today in our society, more now than ever, that church is not necessary. Church is just a man-made thing. Church is not originally what God meant for, for, for believers. That's not true. Jesus said, I will build my church. So if Jesus said, I will build my church, he's taking personal responsibility. Amen? Amen. Now, yet even many Christians entertain the mindset that church is not necessary. And church is very much necessary. Now, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the idea, the mindset that Jesus has left a group of individuals on this planet from the time that he stepped back into heaven and has empowered us and has equipped the church from day one, from the early disciples, has equipped us. When I say us, I'm talking about the church today and the church far back in history. We are the ones that Jesus is counting on to get this message of salvation, this message of forgiveness, this message of grace. He's counting on us. Amen? Amen. When I say that not even the disciples saw it coming, I want to take you to a portion of Scripture. 
that's going to support this idea. Acts chapter 1, verse 6. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, Jesus, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, and it's not for you to know the seasons, the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Amen? And when is the Holy Spirit going to come upon them? In Jerusalem. We know that. And, and, and listen, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be what? Witnesses to me. We could really say it this way and maybe clarify it a little bit. Witnesses of me, Jesus said. Now remember, the message of the early church was very simple. We knew him. We lived with him. We ate with him. We saw him die, and we saw him raised again. Simple message that all they preached, every place they went, was that he's risen. He said, so you're going to be witnesses to me. When? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. In, all, in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Now, I want to take a few minutes to, to talk about this. The disciples were raised all of their lives with the mindset that someday the Messiah is going to come. Someday the Messiah is going to come. For, for thousands of years, someday the Messiah is going to come. Someday the Messiah is going to come. They know he was a Messiah. So they're thinking, okay, if this is now the age, and we are now, they're thinking in their time frame, we are now, we've witnessed this, the Messiah has come. So that means the next natural conclusion is, okay, now, especially since he's risen from the dead, especially now he's, they know he's a supernatural being, their next expectation was that he was going to rise up, form an army, throw the Romans out, either with an army or supernaturally destroy them, and Israel would be free again. They had no clue that there was going to be a church age. They had no idea that there would be at least a 2,000-year time period. So it couldn't have been their idea. It's Jesus' idea. The church, is, they had no idea. They knew that this Messiah that they'd been waiting for. And it wasn't based on mistaken scriptures. The scriptures support that in the Old Testament, that this Messiah was going to come. But Paul talks about the church as a mystery. And that, that was a mystery to the, to the early apostles, to the disciples. In fact, if you read some of the letters, even Paul writes to some of the churches and said, hey, guys, look, go do the work that Jesus has called us to. I'm paraphrasing here. Because they had all settled in, and they were just like, like, like doomsday, you know, just to hunker down in some hole someplace and just wait for him to come. They had no idea of this church age. The church is Jesus' means of carrying on his ministry to the lost and his method of keeping his people strong. Because that church that he started continues to this day. I don't know if you ever noticed this or not. I'll just throw this out at you. You can go read it for yourself. If you'll go home tonight and read the book of Acts, and I, I, it's, not, it's possible to read it in one sitting. It's not impossible. You can read it in one sitting. Just go right through. When you get to the, the end of it, the last chapter, it just goes, it's like, it, 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 you ever see those movies? Where you know, at the end of the movie, you know, oh, there's going to be a sequel. There's going to be a part two. You just know. You know, you know it just, the guy falls off the cliff and 
And that's it. Then the, the, the credits come up, and you're like, uh, that's how we're going to end this? And that basically, you get that same kind of feeling when you read the end of the book of Acts. Why? Because the book of Acts is still being written. It's the Acts of the Apostles. It's the Acts of the Church. And it's still being written. Amen? So the church is Jesus' means of caring, of carrying on the ministry to the lost, of caring for his people, for believers, to help them get strong, to keep them growing, keep them healthy. Jesus is the architect and the designer and the foundation of the overseer and the overseer. Remember, he's the one who told Peter, the foundation rock of the church is going to be Peter's revelation of himself. Now listen to me. Some of you could be sitting here and saying, this is cool, but what has it got to do with me? I'm here. I'm in the church. I'm here. What many of us do not realize, and unfortunately it's something that we should remind ourselves on a daily basis, when we get to heaven, the questions that are going to be asked us are what did you do with the last commands that I gave to the church? And what are the last commands? Go and preach and make disciples of every nation and baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them all the things that I've taught you. In the, in the Gospel of Mark, he gives further instruction to the church, to his body on the earth. But if you don't have a revelation on the inside of being in the church and the importance of the church, you're most likely not going to fulfill the commands to the church. And so the thing you and I as believers that we're going to be faced with when we get to heaven is not a long list of explaining our sins and explaining our mistakes. That, that's, we're there. I don't know about you, but I'll be happy to be there. So those, the question that we're going to be asked and the thing that's going to determine the reward that we receive in eternity is what did we do as the church? And you're not going to be able to say, well, you know, that was really the pastor job. No, 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 no. You are the church. You are the church. And it never fails. When I bring this up, you see the light bulbs go off or you see confusion. Because many of us came out of traditional type Christian churches where the church was the hierarchy, the church was the building, the church was, was, was a few individuals. But the New Testament does not teach that. The New Testament teaches that every single believer is the church, is part of the church. And when the commands are given to the church, they're not given to the hierarchy, they're not given to the upper institution, they're given to the body of Christ in general. Amen. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior, he considers you the church. Amen. Are you listening? Yes. And I don't want anybody to get up there and when you realize you have a lack of reward, you're not gonna say to Jesus, you know, Pastor Joe never taught us this stuff. No, <laughs> I'm teaching it now. <laughs> so if he's the architect and designer, and he is, if he is the foundation and the overseer, and he is, then those who participate in church participate in an entity whose building, whose builder, excuse me, is God. When you and I participate 
in the life of the church, we are participating with God Almighty because this is his structure. This is his organization. This is his family. And it's important for us to know that. Because you might not consider yourself the church, and you might not relate to others as the church, but guess what? God does. And we're going to be held to that standard. Amen. All right. So the word church is a translation of a Greek word, ekklesia. It means those who are taken out of, those who are called out of, those who are carved out of. In this case, it refers to those who, by an act of their will, have chosen to place their faith in Jesus Christ to receive everlasting life. That's good news. These individuals then are considered to have been called out, taken out, carved out of the world system, and now represent the assembly of people who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit and commissioned by Jesus to be his representatives on the earth. Do you understand that when you got born again, you became a supernatural individual? Obviously, you don't. I'm telling you, when you got born again, yes, you still have a flesh and blood and bone body, but spiritually speaking, you stepped into a different realm, okay? I hate to put it this way because people get carried away with these kind of things, but in, in, in effect, you and I are aliens on this planet. Oh, you like that one. We're aliens. We're not of this world. We're here. We're behind enemy lines because Satan is still the God, the little g of this world, the little God of this world, because Adam gave him permission to take over the planet. And so here we are now as believers. Our spirit belongs. Our citizenship is in heaven, Paul said. But our physical bodies are stuck here. And that's why so many times we experience frustration. Because our spirit on the inside wants to be connected with the homeland. But our bodies are stuck here. Understand that as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are one spirit with him. He told us what we would be able to do in his name. And they're not normal things. The power is in you and is in me to do the same things that Jesus did. I pray that we begin to walk in them. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Say that with me. Old things have passed away. Thank God. Behold, all things have become new. We're new species, a new breed of individual. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. Again, it was God's idea to reconcile us. We didn't have enough sense to go running after him. Adam and Eve didn't have enough sense to go running after God. They ran and hid. It's his idea to bring us into salvation. Amen. Amen. Now all things are of God who reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Who has the job of reconciling people to God now? We do. Say that with me. We do. We're the church. It's our job. It's our responsibility. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, here's verse, this is what I want to get to. 
Verse 20. Now then we are what? Say that word. Ambassadors. Now we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The church is made up of supernatural individuals. You might not feel that. You might get up in the morning and go, right now I'd settle for being a natural individual. The fact of the matter is, heaven sees us. God sees us. Angels see us as supernatural, new creations in Christ. That is the church. The church is not a bunch of people sitting in pews filled with cobwebs and stained glass windows and things of that nature. That's not the church. And yet, our society today wants to paint that kind of picture. They don't have a clue. I, you know, it was funny. I was watching a, a movie. I like to watch old movies. The new movies are like, eh, they all need to go to acting school. But some of the old classic movies. I was watching a movie. I was watching a movie uh, from like the 1960s. Okay? And in the movie, they're already portraying Christians as hypocrites, as just stuffy, uh, just totally out of, out of touch with society. And I sat there and I watched this. I wanted to shut it off, but I was like, no, let me watch this. Because this is, this is a new thing I'm seeing here. Because you see, we think this whole anti-Christian sentiment that's in our country started maybe over the past 10 years. Now, this has been going on for a long time. This is going on for a long time. Between the entertainment industry and the media to paint the church as just outdated, irrelevant, and all these things. But I got news for you. If they really, really, really knew what God is really, truly doing in his church, especially in the United States, they would be totally blown away. So they'd have to negate it. They would have to deny it. They would have to say, no, it's not true. Because what you, when you go to the media, you only to the church health. The churches are closing every day. But they never tell you how many churches are opening. They never tell you how many churches are opening. They never tell you how many congregations are exploding. They only talk about the scandals. They only talk about the embezzlements and all this other corruption. Yeah, has there been a corruption in the church? Come on, wake up. Of course there has been. Why? Because church is made up of people. And where you have people, you're going to have corruption. You're going to have abuse. You're going to have these things. It's impossible not to, not till we get to heaven. The church is a combination. Now, listen, I want you to get this deep down inside, please. The church is a combination of who we are individually and who we are corporately. We individually are Christ's ambassadors. We're representatives. It's up to us to bring the message to whoever God puts in our path. But we are also the church corporately. We're individual Christ ambassadors, but then when we band together as a church, we accomplish together what Christ has commissioned us to do individually. Can I say that again and maybe clear it up? Individually, we are the church. But when we band together like we are now, when we're banded together, we then join our forces. We join our, our love for God. We join our faith. We join our knowledge in the word and we maybe want to help others to grow spiritually. That's who the church is. The church is who you are individually and the church is who we are corporately, okay? So when does this church, when did the church begin? Some people say, 
on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit filled the 120 disciples of Christ. Some people say the church started on the cross when Jesus said, it is finished. Now, truthfully, I see truth to both of those ideas. But personally, I believe the church evolved from its roots all the way back in the Garden of Eden. Are you listening to me? Genesis chapter 3, verse 8, listen. And they, Adam and Eve, heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves in the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Look at verse 9. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Let me, let me unwrap this a little bit here. So the Bible seems to indicate that there was a certain time of the day on a daily basis that God personally showed up on the scene. And Adam and Eve got together with God, fellowshiped with God, spent time with God, talked to God, experienced God's presence on a regular basis. That's church. They had church. They were enjoying his presence. They would come and meet with him. They would, they would, possibly, who knows if they would have expressed their worship, expressed their praise, expressed their thanksgiving. The church, listen to me. Because too many people come to a church with the wrong expectation. The church is not here to entertain individuals. The church is not here to make you feel good. The church is not here to soothe your soul. The church, listen to this, is a supernatural event that occurs whenever two more people join together to enjoy the presence of God, which they carry within themselves individually, and experience his presence corporately. Now, let me ask you this question, just to give you an example. How many of you, if you'd be honest, experience the same thing at home when you worship God that you experience here, when this room is packed, when the music is, I mean, they're doing your favorite song? Are you going to tell me you have the same exact experience at home? I doubt that very much. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I doubt that you're having that same experience. Why? You're on your own. Now, there is a time for private worship. I love worshiping God by myself, and, and I need to do that. Why? Because I don't really have the opportunity to worship God myself here. Why? Because I'm standing on the front row, and I'm worrying about you, and I'm thinking, okay, is it too cold? Is it too hot? Is it too loud? Is it, is it not loud enough? Is, where is so-and-so? I haven't seen so-and-so in a couple of weeks. So all those things are distracting me. So if I'm going to worship God, most of the time I got to do it on my own. But I'm going to be honest with you, it's great and it's good and it's wonderful, but it's not the same as being here together with all of you. It is never the same. When we come together, whether it's, whether it's here in Brick, whether it's in Babel, when we come together with fellow believers and we lift our hands up and we just put all of our junk aside, all of the garbage from the day or garbage from the week or whatever, and we just lift our hands up and we just start worshiping God, man, that is some of the closest times to heaven that you are ever going to experience while you're still here on the earth. That's why the church is so important, because we can't have that 
experience except when we come together. Jesus reinforces truth about it being a supernatural occasion and event. When he said this, he, he, listen, listen, listen to what he said here. In Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. C- can we read this together? Come on, guys. Can, can just raise your voices up with me. Let's read this together. Ready? One, two, three. For where two or three are gathered together in my name. Look at this now. I am there in the midst of them. That's church. Let me ask you a question. Let me, let me just bring this illustration. And maybe, remember, when I say, whenever you read the Bible, whenever you tell the Bible, put yourself in the picture. Easter Sunday night, the disciples are hiding in a room. They felt, wow, if they, if they killed him, they're coming after us next. Now, let me ask you this question. What do you think the difference was between the atmosphere when it was just, just them in the room? And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. Where? In the midst of them. Would you agree with me that that, that atmosphere must have became explosive? Yes. That's what he promised to us every time we come together. Church is not some place you go to make you feel good. Church is not some place you go because you've got a crisis going on in your life. Church is some place we come together to have church so that we can experience his presence in our midst. Do you ever notice how supernatural God starts moving, especially during worship? Why? He's got our attention. We're worshiping him. We're, we're, not, we're not dwelling on our problems. We're not dwelling on the tragedies of life. What are we doing? We just got our attention on him. We're focused on him. And then the Holy Spirit starts to move. And maybe there's somebody, and it's happened, I can't, thousands of times over these past 21 years. Thousands of times where the Holy Spirit would identify an individual in the service. And because the love of God that he has for us is so amazing and so strong, how many times has the Holy Spirit stopped a service or changed direction just to minister to that individual or group of individuals? Last weekend, I just felt so just, it wasn't a strong impression. It was just like this whisper that there were people here that were suffering with some type of a condition in their throat. I honestly thought one or two people were going to come up. It must have had almost two dozen people that come up to get prayer. Now imagine this. If all of those people had stayed throughout the entire service with pain, you know how delicate your throat is, right? You're going to tell me you're going to sit there and listen and pay attention and really get involved and get something out of a message if you're sitting there with your throat on fire? Of course not. But look at the love of God. Look Look at how much the Holy Spirit cares for us supernaturally speaks to an individual minister to the people that have problems with their throats. We stop the service. We shift direction. We take care of that. And all of a sudden, you just felt something lifted off the congregation. And what? Now we can go on. Say, well, that's, that's strange. Of course it's strange. It's the church. That's not normal. That doesn't happen in your everyday life. It happens when the church comes together. Amen. You listening to me? Because the Holy Spirit cares about us. Amen? Amen? The church is meant to be a supernatural event where men and women, men, women, and children, number one, come together to bring worship and praise. Number two, to share his love by serving one another, serving one another. So if you're sitting home watching television and you say, well, that, that's where I have church. No. 
Because number one, you're not in corporate worship. You don't have a six-piece band in your living room <laughs> declaring what a wonderful name it is. Number two, who are you serving? Who are you serving? Do you have a kindergarten class in your basement that you go and help? The church was established so that we would serve one another. That's why it's important. Number three, to encourage one another to grow spiritually. We encourage one another. You encourage me. When you come and tell me, man, that message you preached, blah, 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 or pastor, you know, you said something the other day. That encourages me. It encourages me to do what? To grow more. To become better at what I'm doing. To know the word better. To hear the Holy Spirit more accurate. We encourage one another. If we don't come together, how are we going to encourage one another? Number four, the church is meant to help each other endure the hard times of life. Man, when my mom passed away just a few weeks ago, there's so many of you that sent cards, so many of you that, I mean, we had over 500 condolences just on social media. Just people sent flowers, people sent meals. It was just, what did that do? That encouraged my wife and I and our family during a hard time. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And you know, sometimes it seems like this family is even so much closer to you than the natural blood family that we have. I'm not, not condemning anybody, I'm just saying. It just, it just seems like, because we, as believers, we, we share such common faith and such common beliefs and such common expectation from God that you feel like you have more in common with your church family sometimes than you do with your natural family. So I would have an appreciation for one another. When the church comes together corporately, it can be referred to, in the scriptures, it's referred to as the body of Christ. And that word corporately is derived from the Latin word for body. It's where we get the word corpse from. I think it's morbid or anything. But it's that sense of that to who you are. We are the hands, the feet, the mouth, the eyes. We are Jesus on the earth. When you put us all together, we're Jesus. When we bring all our gifts, we're Jesus. When we serve out of whatever capacity God puts us in. We're Jesus to one another, and we're Jesus to this lost world. Amen? First Corinthians chapter 12, the apostle Paul quoted a revelation of this. He said, for as a body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. When you and I said yes to Jesus Christ and received him as our Lord and Savior, we were baptized into, we were placed into, we were engrafted into the church, his body, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We have all been made to drink into one spirit. Now, some, some might say right now, I never received much benefit from going to church or being involved. In fact, some of, my, some of the experiences I've had in church damaged me. Yeah, we can't deny that the church throughout the ages has had its problems. Maybe uh, we can call them growing pains, but it's never God's will that we separate ourselves from one another. It is never God's will for you and I to become a Lone Ranger. It's just not the way he designed it. 
Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. I want to read to you from the New Living Translation. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. So this, this issue was even in the early church where people started to say, well, you know what, I'll just, I'll just stay home and have church. Or you know what, I heard everything Paul's got to say already. I read his, I read his letters. So the problem is nothing new. It's been all throughout the ages. But watch this now. This message is especially for us today. I'm going to start again. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. We're closer to it than we've ever been. He's saying, what he's saying by the Spirit of God, he's talking to the last day's church and saying, don't get distracted. Don't become irreverent about the church. Don't take it for granted. Reverence the fact that you have other believers that you can get together with. Reverence the fact and treat it special, the fact that you have brothers and sisters, that when you need prayer, you can call them. You can get together with them. Have, have a, a, a grateful heart that Jesus didn't leave you here alone on the earth. Amen? We need each other. More importantly, this lost, dark world we live in needs to see the genuine church as a place of refuge, as a place of safety for them to run to. We need to be the church for those who are not yet in the church. They need to see that the stuff is true. They need to see us walking in it. They need to see us loving one another, not condemning one another. They need to see us sticking together, not splitting apart, not causing division, not allowing strife to come between us. Why would they want to be part of this when they see us act just like they do? That's something that keeps so many people from even thinking or entertaining the thought about visiting a church or becoming part of a church or, or even taking Jesus seriously, which is the most important thing. We are the church. We are the physical manifestation of Jesus Christ on the earth. We are the only, listen to me, this is so important. Get this in your heart, please. We are the only Jesus the lost will ever see. And it's through us that Jesus has a hope of reaching this world. Turn to somebody, please, and just say this with all your heart. Say this. You're the only Jesus that some people are ever going to see. I am so glad that we here at New Beginnings have gotten a hold of this concept. I'm so glad that we're banded together now more than ever, united now more than ever, joining and, and just putting our resources together, our time together, our faith together. Yes. Understanding now that Jesus has, has given us a new challenge, taken us to a new level of responsibility and opportunity. That now he wants to use us, not only to reach Bricktown, but to reach Southern Ocean County, Central Ocean County, Monmouth County, Central New Jersey. Sounds big? He'll take us one step at a time. He took 12 guys and shook an entire civilization and an empire. And that was without any internet, we know, no Facebook. We should have had this whole thing wrapped up already. 
In Bayville, there's now a new location for the lost, for the hurting, to come to get a glimpse of Jesus through his people. To those newcomers who are joining us in Bayville, we can't promise perfection. None of us can. We'll have to wait till we get to heaven for that. But we can promise that we will love you and we will do our best to care for you and make you feel like family. Amen? Amen. Now listen, let me wrap this up real quick here. Church affiliation, church membership, and church attendance should be considered an honor and a privilege because the scriptures tell us that God shed his blood for the church. First time I saw that scripture, I was like, is that a typo? Because Paul, as it's recorded for us in the book of Acts, is saying goodbye to a group of pastors and to to disciples there in Ephesus. And this is a statement he made to them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. It's recorded for us in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves, talking to the pastors, to all the flock amongst which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to shepherd the church of God, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Do you hear this? Who died on the cross and shed his blood? Paul equates him with God. Jesus is God. Now, we know that. We take that. But did you ever consider that the blood that Jesus shed was just as much as God's blood as it was the blood in Jesus' veins? And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, says that blood was shed for the church, for the flock. So don't you dare speak against one another. Don't you dare speak against the church, no matter what church it is. Don't you dare speak against the body of Christ. Why? God paid for it with his blood. So when does a person become part of a church? Well, pastor, it's like when you go to this class and go to that class and go to the other class and then you flip around and then maybe you miss one part so you go back. Now, is that needed? It, it, it plays an important part. But when does a person actually become part of the church? When that individual, as an act of their will, takes a step of faith and says, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins. I believe that God raised him from the dead. When a person, with all of their heart, makes that declaration of faith, not not only do they become born again, but when they become born again, when their spirit comes alive, they now are placed in the church. They are the family of God. They are the body of Christ. Are you listening to me? I hope this first part of this series has served a purpose to kind of enlighten you, to raise your level of awareness of of what, what this is all about, why we come together, why is it important for a person to belong, to associate themselves with a particular group of people in a particular region, especially being led by the Holy Spirit. It's because, number one, Jesus died on the cross so there would be a church on this earth. God shed his blood for the flock. 
reverence it. Treat it special in your heart. Don't idolize the people in it. Don't idolize the leadership. But reverence the fact that Jesus loved you so much and loved me so much that he structured a family that we could belong to so we would never walk on this earth and feel completely alone. Amen? I want to pray before we finish. Heavenly Father, I ask you that you cause the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened as it pertains to the subject of our church. Father, please reveal to us your heart for the church in an even deeper way. Lord, cause us to see each other the way you see us and teach us to honor and cherish and respect one another so that the world will see that we belong to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. I hope this has been a blessing to you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're always encouraged to know God is working through new beginnings to touch lives. So if you have a story to share of how God's working in your life, please let us know. Send us an email at mystory at newbeginningsnj.org. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today.